I'm in the book of Psalms, chapter 133, the 133rd Psalm, and I'm concluding our series today called Psalm Sunday, uh, which is a summer-long study from the book of Psalms. Now, I like this series because I got to cherry-pick my favorites, and I was kind of, you know, thinking about all the directions I could have gone. When you get in the Psalms, you can go any number of directions. I mean, I like Psalm 105. It's got a verse in there about, you know, uh, the word of the Lord for Joseph, but I've taught through that one. Psalm 112 is one of my favorites. It talks about the established heart. I've worked my way through that one. Psalm 119 has got 176 verses, so we could have just done a whole series on that one alone. (laughs) Psalm 121 is a favorite of mine. I've taught Psalm 127 about the family. Psalm 149 has to do with the praises of God, but I wanted to preach something new that I hadn't been through before, and lo and behold, I found the 133rd Psalm. I'm going to read the Psalm for you, a Psalm of David, just three verses long, and then we are going to dissect what the Bible has to say. Here it is. He said, Behold, How good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. It's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you this morning for the word of the Lord. I pray that we would have ears that are receptive to hear about this subject, that you would open our hearts today, and I pray that it would bring forth fruit in our lives. Help me teach the Bible today, Lord. Help me help explain it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. Um, You know, (laughs) I've got my Suburban out there with a canoe on top of it, because we're going camping one more trip today, going down to wonderful Wyoming. And uh, we're going up to the Bighorn Mountains because I found a lake up there that's got a campground by it. And we've decided that we kind of like camping around lakes because it just gives you something extra to do. And I I have been taking my five-year-old, seven-year-old, and three-year-old out on the canoe, and and we've been practicing at rowing in tandem, which does require some effort. I mean, that's not the easiest thing to have a five-year-old trying to steer the ship. But she was actually easier to teach than my wife, Elizabeth. No, not really. (laughs) I'm teasing Elizabeth. (laughs) But, you know, success in life in any endeavor is going to require that you learn how to work in unison with somebody at some point. Any organization you're a part of requires that teamwork and synchronized efforts to things. So I want to highlight that. And this is one of those important subjects that I don't know that I've heard a ton of teaching on. I know it's something that we could learn from. And here it says in this first verse that it's good and pleasant when brethren dwell together in unity... And what David is saying is that there is something beautiful about unity. Something beautiful when people come together. And unity, you know, it's this united approach that we have together. Uh, the New Testament says they were in one accord. And there's a, there's a harmony in it. There's a, there's a chemistry to it. Uh, I heard one guy, uh, an NFL analyst on ESPN after a team won the Super Bowl, and he said they're not the most talented team, but they have great chemistry. And he said chemistry trumps talent, which as a statement I've never forgot, it's always stuck with me. If you can get people who enjoy each other working together in the same direction, you can accomplish so many things. Another way of describing this is what the writer of Hebrews said in chapter 13, to let brotherly love continue. 
And when love is in the house, when there's a great sense of fellowship and, and, and the bond of unity, man, they overcomplicate it, accomplish. You know, the thing about unity, I, I think sometimes people get like they overcomplicate it. Um, it seems like it's an elusive thing or they try to wrap their minds about what it means, but David experienced it. David found that it was attainable and that it was beautiful. And he just said that it was good and pleasant when brothers dwell together in unity. There's something good about it, good and pleasant. It's beautiful. You know, there's an adage that says beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. And whatever thing that you think of is beautiful when you see it, what it does is evoke a certain emotion within you. You see something and you think, man, that, that is a beautiful thing. Good and pleasant. That's what David is describing right here. It pleases the Lord. In order for you to have that bond of unity, in order for you to unite with somebody in, in, in a situation or have it in your family, uh, it's going to require a certain level of trust in your part. It's going to require a certain level of, of you, you know, humbling yourself, being open to, to connect with people. And I have found that when people have a hard time connecting or getting united to something, uh, it's indication of self-will or perhaps even insecurity. You know, Proverbs 18 and verse 1, the, the writer there in Proverbs, he said that a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire and rages against sound wisdom. And it is an interesting thing to me. When, when unity is on display, it's a beautiful thing. That's why Ephesians called it the, the bond uh, of peace. He said we have to be united in the bond of peace, which he said required lowliness and long-suffering. That's Ephesians 4, verse 1, 2, and 3. There's a certain level of humility that's required if, if we are going to get in harmony and unison with one another. You know, beauty is one of those things that is evident in its design. You see something that's simple, simple that works together, and there's something alluring about that. There's something beautiful about that that kind of draws you in. And when I think about beauty, uh, I, I think about this divine agreement, div it's divine design. There's an agreement that we have when we come together in unity, and it creates a powerful, beautiful connection. That's what Jesus talked about in the book of Matthew. He said, when two or three are gathered, there I am in the middle of them. And I've been to you know, small groups where I've prayed with people where two or three people are praying in agreement, and you can just sense that power. You can sense the presence of the Lord. You can feel that he's right there in the middle of you and in about pastoring here, and there's something powerful about it. You know, I got to tell you, one thing that's really in my heart about pastoring here in town is I think you know, we do a good job of uniting ourselves with other pastors in the city, something that's just something I, I, I really take to heart. You know, I'm, I'm a friendly guy. I like to make friends with my pastor friends in, in the area. And man, we do stuff together. We enjoy each other. And man, we had a Let Us Worship event with a guy named Sean Foy here at South Park. And it was a great time, man. We, we got together with the city of Billings, other people. We, we helped run security and host the event. And man, that was fun. And then coming up here uh, next week, my, my buddy Abe, he's got a worship night. You might've seen the stuff, the Flyers, as you're driving through, he's going to be up on top of the rims, and they're having a worship night for that. And, and man, that's a great thing. I support what he's doing, and I'm grateful to have friends like that. One thing that I have found out in, in partnering with people is that, you know, you may have disagreements doctrinally. You know, you might have uh, certain things that, you know, maybe you don't necessarily agree with, but when it comes to unity, 
We should have unity in essential things. We should have liberty in things that are non-essential. But in every situation, we should love one another. I like to say it like this. I fellowship with everybody. I partner with some people when it comes to churches, but we build the house on sons and daughters, people who are connected and in unity. Because I found if there's anything that moves a vision along, it's the power of being united in thought. And I know that from experience. I walk through it. And I'm sure grateful for a leadership team that is united. Because when you put your hearts together, when you put your minds together, you can accomplish the will of the Lord for your life. Now, this is an incredible psalm, Psalm 133. Probably you knew what it was about when when we opened up to it. And what I want to identify in the next verses is what I call avenues of agreement. And and these are um, productive pathways. You know, unity is a bit like gravity. It kind of flows downhill. And it's moving in a direction, and there's a real flow to it, and you can sense it, and you can feel it, so much so that when there's disunity, when there's you know, a, a lack of harmony, when you, when you feel kind of things being torn apart, it's very evident. And so I want to just highlight some avenues of agreement, what it will produce and what the Bible likens it to. Now, Psalm 133, look here at verse number two. David is describing unity, he said, uh, like the precious oil on the head. And he says it runs down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron. It's running down on the edge of his garments. This is an interesting thought about unity. He's liking it specifically to oil. And if you know anything about the anointing oil in the Bible, you know that it is a refreshing force. So the first thing we can say about unity is that it's a very refreshing thing. It's refreshing to witness it. It's refreshing to experience it. And he likened it to the anointing oil. That's Exodus chapter 25. And you know, when the sweet cassia and, and calamus and oil, and they'd mix it with four different spices like myrrh and, and, and sweet cassia and, and calamus and cinnamon, and it had this particular scent that was just beautiful. It was an aroma. And what I find interesting about the verse is he said that the oil would run from Aaron's head on his beard all the way on down his clothes. You know, because, listen, when we anoint people with oil at church, I, I got a little dab, we'll do you, and we put it on the forehead and pray for you. But in Bible days, they would take like the whole thing, glunk, 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 glunk. And it, I've seen people do that. They anoint people with oil and pour out, you know, the whole jar of oil and ruin your suit, ruin your clothes. <laughs> That's what's happening here with Aaron. He's got oil that is just running all the way down him. You know, it's an interesting thing. Caiaphas, the high priest, I'm, I'm switching here for a second. Caiaphas, the high priest, he was um, the high priest in Jesus' day, and he prophesied that Jesus' death would unite the nation. And that man, you know, he was, wasn't serving God. I just think that the anointing oil in that garment that he was wearing got on him, and that is why he prophesied. He's covered in oil. So these guys are drenched in oil, and if you've ever poured out enough oil in a house, you know what happens? It fills the house with fragrance. And that is what happens when you sense unity in a house. You'll feel that, that aroma, a, a sweet smelling aroma that is pleasing to people. Even unbelievers can come into the house of the Lord and they can sense if there's unity in there. And man, it's one of those things where, boy, it's a wonderful sensation to experience. You know, it's kind of like selling homes. Now, before homes became extremely easy to sell in Billings because we have the hottest market in the nation right now. That's what the Wall Street Journal said. Before, you had to kind of get smart about it and be 
uh, psychological. And I know people who would put cookies in the oven when they try to sell their home so that it would smell inviting and it was a wonderful aroma. You, you smell that warm cookie and you think, I want to buy this house. And that's what happens when the anointing oil is moving in a place. There's a refreshing, refreshing sense of God's presence in the house. You know, the thing about oil is, is it's flowing through order. I think it's interesting that they chose, David chose Aaron to, to be the focal point. He, he's talking about how Aaron, who was the ceremonial head of the nation, he, he's the one who brought unity to their land. Once a year, they would gather together and, and they would anoint the priest. He would go on the Day of Atonement and it unified the nation over that sacrifice that they had. As believers, we are united by the blood of Jesus and and the blood that he shed for us so that we can be in one accord, one fellowship. That's what 1 John says. It's, it, it's through that blood that we can be together in one. See, unity has an order to it, it, whether it's in a nation or whether it's in a home. Isn't it amazing the impact that a father will make in his home? And when you see the order that comes from a man taking his role, that, that's what God has ordained. That's what God has blessed that there's a certain order to it that moves along. It's the same thing in a church. If you've got leadership, if you've got order, if you've got people in agreement, if God has blessed it, that is where the avenue for blessing takes place. See, it has a certain flow to it, this downward gravity feel. It just kind of moves downward, and it blesses everything it touches. Oil also has this really intrinsic quality to it. and It's something that's very uh, refreshing or reviving. It can revive certain things. That's why we're having revival nights, because there's sometimes you got to get refreshed, get your cup filled up. And I saw this take place recently because my son decided that riding bikes wasn't good enough for him. He wanted uh, to borrow an old tractor that was at grandpa's house. It was one that had pedals on it. It was a metal tractor. You ever seen those metal cumber? It was the noisiest pedal. And that thing had been outside for a Lord knows how long. And I'm telling you, it was the noisiest tractor I'd ever heard. There were so many squeaks around it. I mean, you could tell exactly where he was in the cul-de-sac because all the squeaks were coming from it. I had to pour like half a bottle of WD-40 on that thing to get some peace and some quiet. I mean, it was incredible. And, but that's what that WD-40 did on an old rusty little toy is it revived it. It's, it made it quiet again. Everything began to run pretty good. That's what happens when you get a little oil in your life. It'll take away the squeakiness. Some of y'all got some squeakiness in your life. And some little dab of oil will kind of help alleviate that stress, that pain. The thing about oil is that it will also refresh the appearance of something. Now, I learned this from my Uncle Steve because he, he, he had some tools and I was working with him. And he told me, after every use of your shovel, if you get it all muddy and covered in cement, you got to clean it off and spray it down with some WD-40. He said that'll ensure that it lasts a long time. And so I, I've been in the habit of doing that. I, I'll take some grease, some oil, I'll apply it to metal, and it's amazing. It brightens it up. It keeps the dust off things. It stops them from you know, getting gumpy. And, and if, if you can get some oil in your life, that's where you can stop the dirt from being built up so that you can be productive and useful. In the Bible, they used to oil their shields to go into battle because they didn't want them to get dry. They needed them to be well-oiled, so that they could withstand battle. Yeah. Oil is an incredible thing because just that little bit of it will go a long way. Have you noticed that? Just a little bit. And that, to me, describes the grace of the Holy Spirit. It's so abundant. It's so rich. Just that little bit of his fresh touch in your life will go such a long way. 
And I think if there's anything we need in the church in America right now, it's some fresh oil in the engine. I, I think we're at a place sometimes where it feels like you're in a battle. You might be frustrated and you might feel like things are dry. But if you get a little oil in the engine, things get revived. Hey, listen, I'm telling you, don't think, don't limit God. You, you better get ready for what he's about to do. We are living in these last days. And I believe that fresh oil is coming to his church for great things. See, what you need to life in just a little is some oil. Oil is refreshing. It revives. It brings things back to life. And just a little bit of it will sustain you for a long way. Now, a second thought about unity here is found in verse number three. He likens unity to the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. Now, Hermon is not a sweaty man. Hermon is a mountain. And what he's talking about here is about how unity is fruitful. It's refreshing. It's also fruitful. You know, the, the priests had the original recipe for the anointing oil. This may be the original recipe for Mountain Dew. I don't know. But that's what he's describing is dew from a mountain. Anyone ever been to Mount Hermon? You know, we, we were uh, in Israel. At, I've been there twice. And Mount Hermon, is the, it, it's right up on the border of Lebanon and Syria. And it's 9,300 feet tall. And you can see snow on it. You wouldn't think about that in the Middle East. But it, it's the water source. It, it's like the, the place where it, it begins to uh, flow down. In fact, uh, the Jordan River is at the base of those mountains. And so what Mount Hermon represented is this water source. Just like Aaron's the ceremonial head of Israel, Mount Hermon is the place where the water source begins to build and heads down the Jordan River and fertilizes the land everywhere it goes. That's what David is likening it to. You know, I remember being uh, at a UN outpost in 2017, and they got a little coffee stand up there, and you're overlooking the Golan Heights and looking down in Syria, and they got UN guards from all over the place. I met guys from Ireland, and one guy was from Switzerland. And I said to the man, I was like, man, Switzerland is a great place to live. I said, I bet you get homesick sometimes. He said a little bit, but you know, he said, sometimes I, like, I can go skiing down Mount Hermon. And that skiing makes me feel like I'm at home. <laughs> I thought that was pretty incredible. Skiing in Israel on Mount Hermon, that was an incredible thought. It tells you that they have a water source, this water source there. When, when you've got a water source and when it's abundant and, and when it's moving, I'll tell you what it does is it fertilizes the land. It, it becomes a source of abundant fruitfulness. Whenever there's an abundance of water, there will be an abundance of fruit. It's interesting the Holy Spirit is likened to, to rivers of water, Jesus said, in your heart. So we got oil, we got water. And, and we've got fruitfulness in this verse. That's what unity does. Jesus said that you'd know people by their fruit. He, he, the Bible describes fruit that's holiness, unto holiness and righteousness. And when I read about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, it's interesting. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control. As I was reading those verses, I was reminded about the fact that it all deals with the way that you treat people. And that the meaningfulness or the, the measure of your fruit is found in the meat relationships. That's where it's manifest. When, when, when you've got healthy relationships, that's where fruit can become really, really good. That's where fruit can grow. And I've been to church long enough to meet some powerful people. They know how to pray. They can sing. They can preach. 
I mean, they can lay hands on people and the Lord will touch them. But you know, I don't really care about that so much. What I really want to know is what you treat your wife like when you're at home. What's the home environment like? That's where we could really identify and measure fruitfulness in a person's life. We can see how they treat other people. Because the thing about people, they'll help you bear fruit. You know how they do it? They, 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 they prune you. They cut off some branches that ain't bearing fruit. <laughs> Listen, this happens to the pastor. This happens to you. You, you get in certain relationships, and, and they will help identify areas that need to change and grow. And, and that's all part of this water source, this unity of being together. And there's something about unity that's so fruitful. It, it, it's relational. Um, Jesus prayed in John 15 he, that we would have fruit that remains. And when you've got a water source, uh, it can sustain you in drought and difficult times. In Israel, they have perfected the art of drip irrigation. So when you go down into the Jordan Valley, where, where it's very dry, they've got trees, it's very fertile. I mean, they're, they're a huge fruit producer, and it's because they know how to use drip irrigation. I guess the thing that it speaks to me about is that you can have, if you've got unity, you can get through dry seasons together. You can have people that will help you get through some difficult moments when you're united. That's what marriage has been like for Elizabeth and I. I find it very interesting. I've noticed a pattern in our relationship that when I might be in a really good spot, emotionally I'm happy, she might end up in a down spot. And vice versa. If I get down, she'll be up. It's like we balance each other out. And there's something about that unity that helps you stay fruitful and weather difficult seasons and dry seasons and drought seasons. Y'all should know about drought. We're living in Montana right now. And unity is one of those things that will help you get through it. Yeah. Unity uh, is one of those things that helps you bear fruit long term. Colossians says that you should be fruitful in every good work. See, when you've got the right kind of people in your life, the right relationships, I call it quality control. Because what they help do is ensure excellence in certain situations, ensure that it gets done right. Now, I'm, I'm you know, remodeling a home, and you know, <laughs> it's like, man, we, I don't know what I'm doing half the time, so I got to consult professionals. I, I got to get people over to help walk me through it. Am I doing this the right way? Is this being cut in the right spot? You know, hey, hey, like, is this the right way to put the sprinkler system in? I had to call a professional and for a little advice on something like that. That's quality control. That is what happens when you build your life, in your life, you've got the right people, and they will help you, uh, you know, build your life, make good decisions, they'll help you grow through difficult moments. You know, I found something interesting about the Bible. I was telling this to our prayer meeting. You know that the word saint is not to be found in the Bible. The word saints is found in the plural because what that tells you is you need other people in your life to help you grow, to help you get through seasons, to help you be fruitful. That is the order of the Lord. That's what we're talking about. It's about how unity is like, like a river that's flowing in your life. Now, I believe the Lord is added to our house. And one thing I'm praying for is for him to send young, talented help, man. We're gonna have to raise them up we got enough kids to do it, so we'll get there one day. If, but I'm praying, God, send us help. I, I, I need more help. I need people, Lord, who excel in certain areas. I'm asking God for young help, talented help, and I'm asking him for lots of help. 
Because you're only limited by the people around you that, that, that can help fulfill the will of God for your life. So unity is a fruitful thing. That's where the oil of God comes from. That's where the river of God comes from. And here's why it's fruitful. Because it, it has a certain payoff. Let, let's give you a third thought about unity. This is the third value of agreement. And I'm still in the third verse. It says, for there. Everybody say there. The, that there is the place of unity. We could so, talk about, you know, in the place where the oil is flowing, in the pay, place where the river is flowing, in the place of unity is where the Lord commanded the blessing. And he said, life forevermore. Now, here's the third thought that we have about unity. That unity demands a blessing. In the Hebrew, it says commands, which means to give an order. And what he's describing here is the inevitable result of what happens when people get together in unity. It has an automatic result, and that it's the blessing of God. When you are united in something, it will command a blessing. It will release it. And I'm kind of intrigued by that phrase, the commanded blessing, because it's used twice in the Bible. Once in the book of Leviticus in chapter 25, when the Bible talked about the Jubilee blessing. There was a release of debts in the 50th year, and the land was blessed as a result of it. The other place it's mentioned is in the obedience uh, that's listed in Deuteronomy 28, the obedience of keeping the law. And if you've kept the law, there's a blessing that comes. If, you, if you've been faithful to God, there's a blessing that comes in that. And when, when there's unity, there is a blessing. I'm telling you, you need to do everything you can to keep unity. You, you, got, you got to work hard at it in a home, in a nation, in, in a church, because it will outlive you. That's what it says right here. When you are united, then it will, it will bring life forevermore. There's something incredible about it. To success, in my opinion, is vital for you to have true success. I think unity is like a secret sauce that gets put together. Because I have been to you know, people's homes or I've been in places where they have an appearance of success. Things look great. You know, you go to their home, they, they got a nice big home and it's full of stuff. It might even have some children in it. But without unity... There's, it feels empty. Unity is that thing that kind of brings everybody together on the same page. Man, I'm grateful. I grew up in a home where people were united. Man, mom and dad were on the same page. In my home with Elizabeth, we're on the same page. We have unity and agreement in our home. How grateful am I for that? Listen, you can have human gifting, which can produce large congregations and great contributions. But without unity, there's no divine blessing to it. There's no order. There's no oil in the house. I think about America. What a great nation we live in. We've got great cities. We've got a great military. We've got great economy. But with the lack of unity, it does feel like the nation is being torn apart at the seams. And, and discerning people can identify that. And unity is so vital for true and lasting success. Uh, unity is one of those things that's vital for you to be protected. You know, we were in our prayer meeting this week, and we were praying, and one of the verses that, that Sister Shonette brought up was uh, 1 Peter 5, verse 8. Your adversary, the devil, is going around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Because you know what lions do is they pick off the stragglers. They pick off people who aren't connected, and they're not, 
united, and you meet people like this all the time. They feel like, man, I don't know where my place is. I don't know where I, I belong. And they end up kind of just drifting and straggling and not being united with people. And that is where the enemy grabs hold of them. And then Bill, who'd been to Africa, he told us about zebra stripes, which I thought was so interesting. You know that when zebras are in herds, lions don't attack them because when they got the stripes, it's camouflaged in such a way that they can't identify the individual zebras. All they see is one mass moving around. They don't know where to strike. And man, how grateful is it, how good is it that you and I are united together by the stripes of Jesus and his blood that keeps us together as one? I mean, there's something significant about our unity, which creates a form of protection. It'll do that in a marriage. It'll do that in your home. That unity is vital for success. It's vital for protection. I think unity is also vital for joy. You know, one of the great verses in Proverbs, in Proverbs 20, says, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich, but it adds no sorrow to it. Now, I think about how when you're united, there's a blessing. Things seem to work. And that secret sauce of unity is that it produces joy in your life. How many people do I meet that lack joy? And a job, that's the fact that they really don't have a unity and a harmony in a home, at a job. That's the number one reason people will leave jobs is because they don't like the management. They don't have a sense of teamwork and unity, and it drives them out. And if you want to have unity, the byproduct of it is it's going to release joy in your life. There's something wonderful about joy. There's something tremendous about it. Now, speaking of joy, I'm about to go canoeing with my children, which is going to be <laughs> a lot of work. There'll be a lot of joy in that. <laughs> it, it could be that this morning you're, you're sitting there and you feel like you, you're rowing in life, but maybe you're not rowing in tandem, not working together, going in the right direction. I was listening to the radio one time on a marriage conference. And the guy made the most interesting analogy. He said that when two people fall in love, you would assume that, that, the, that they would just, you know, paddle together in life, that the streams would take them in the right place. But he said what he discovered about marriage is that the streams are always against you. And you're going to have to row together. You're going to have to work together. You're going to have to row so that you stay going in the same direction. And I thought that is so true about life. I mean, doesn't it feel sometimes like you're going along and you, what you wanted to have happen, the stream went a different way or you're rowing and doing something and, and then something else happens and, and you just kind of wonder. It feels like sometimes that the good things are elusive. But I've found that by staying in unity, that's where God blesses certain things in a home, in a nation, in a church, in your family. If you're not married, you've you got people you can be in unity with. You can have agreement with brothers and sisters in the Lord. Maybe this morning you're dry and you feel like you need to be refreshed. Maybe there's some squeakiness. And I feel like that there's an oil of joy in the house of the Lord. That's what I felt during worship this morning. I felt the oil of joy. I was singing. I was dancing. I mean, there was something about that that revived me. I've been to church services sometimes where, you know, you don't want to be there so much, but you get to go in with the music and the spirit of the Lord starts showing up. Yeah. And maybe you need some refreshing in your life. Maybe there's something that, that, you need to be revived with. That's what, that's what unity can bring. Man, it can bring in your life. Maybe, maybe you look at your life and you feel like it's not producing the fruit that you want it to or that the blessing of the Lord isn't operating like it could be, like, like you're not reaching your potential. And I found unity is a force multiplier. It's one of those things that helps you be productive beyond your wildest dreams.
There's something tremendous about the power of unity. And I don't know what unity might mean for you. It might be in a family, in your home, at a job, at a church. Maybe your heart's for the nation. Maybe you're grieved over that. I know people who really are grieved about where our nation's at. And they're praying over it. But unity has that ability to bring things together. And I just want to, I want to pray over you. If you feel like you could use a fresh touch, if you feel like, like I, I want to produce more in my life, let's pray for the unity of the Spirit to be in your life. Let's pray. Just, just reach your hands out. Just be open to the Lord. Father, I just thank you for a united group of people today. I, I thank you, Lord, for the oil of joy that would just flow down. I pray, Lord, that men and fathers would rise up as leaders in their homes over their children. And I thank you for the order of the Lord. I thank you it would flow down the beard of Aaron. I thank you it would just flow like that river from Mount Hermon. I pray for fruitful endeavors in the lives of God. People bring them in the right relationships. I pray the right connections. The right, the right people. You know, some reason why you might not be fruitful is because you got the wrong people, the wrong advice that you're listening to. I pray for wisdom and discernment to know when to unite in that. And Lord, I pray over this house, God, I thank you for a spirit of unity that exists in this house so that no stragglers are picked off. I thank you, Father, for a group of people working together. We thank you for the promises that you've made to us, that you're bringing all things together for good and, and that we are pressing into that together as one man. And I just thank you, Lord for blessing the work of our hands in Jesus' name. I thank you for fruitfulness in the house of God. I thank you for fruitfulness in people's marriages. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen and amen. Man, you know, there, there's an aroma that unity produces that's so precious, and I'm so grateful to have that in my life. I'm so grateful for God's hand. You know, one of the challenges of, of you know, having three kids to chase around is it's like herding cattle. I mean... It's no joke when you got to take children everywhere you go. and I mean, just getting them in the car together at the same time, I'm always kind of angry. Not angry. Frustrated with Elizabeth. She's always late out to the car, but that's because she's got, you know, backpacks of things she's carrying to try to get our children already. <laughs> I mean, taking kids camping's a lot of work, man. You got to round them up. You got to organize them, effort. But we are united, and we work together as one, and uh, we get to the destination as one family. That's unity. But you know, unity is more than just like in the natural, in the right here, in the right now. The unity is one of those things that is eternal. Because one day, there will be a separation. You will eternally be with the Lord and united as one together with Him, or you will be eternally separated from Him. Tormented forever, the Bible says. I like what Ephesians says. In the fullness of time, God will gather all things who are in Christ, in heaven, and things that are on the earth to Him. It's like he has this ability to unite everything in one. Through the work of the cross, he's made all things in one. And his desire is for you to be united with him in one family forever and forever and forever. That's his heart as a father. That's what he's laid out. Now, I just want to give you the opportunity this morning, if you don't feel like you're united with Jesus, if the work of the cross isn't a reality, in such a way that you don't get excited about his blood. You don't, you don't go, oh, I'm, I'm thankful, I'm saved. I know I'm in the family of God. I, I just want to give you the opportunity to get right with the Lord. And if I could get every head bowed and every eye closed, you could just put a hand up and I want to pray. You could be in the family of God. Give you the opportunity to be there with him in his house forever and forever and forever where there is no separation, where you're with him.
will you stand up with me this morning? You know, unity is one of those amazing things. I'm sure grateful you came out to Bethany Church this morning. Man, we love you so much. And I want to invite you out next week. We're having a great Sunday. It will be fun. Bring some friends with you. Bring some food out. We'll have a great time being together united. Uh, the thing about unity is if you come together in agreement, your prayers will be answered. That's what the Bible promises. So if you need some prayers answered this morning, if there's something in your heart, if there's a burden taking place, we're here to pray with you. We're here to minister and stand in agreement with you. And, and man, things that you pray at the altar in private, they stay at the altar in private. But if you need some agreement, maybe you're going through a difficult season, we are here to pray with you and we'd love that opportunity. So you can come down and pray and I want you to know we love you and we'll catch you all next week. And if I could get the sound man, Lonnie, to put some music on. Lonnie, I want you to come up here. I want to pray over you. And if anyone needs prayer, we're here for you. So love you all very much. Catch you all next week.